So footy's back. Uh, <clears throat> right, and I know, so there's two groups. As soon as you say that, there's two groups of people, aren't there? Right? There's half of us who are saying, I don't care. I didn't care when it wasn't back. I don't care that it is back. <laughs> but then there's another group who are like, yes, you know, like, yes, yes, that's right. <clears throat> Those people. Um, I was uh, talking recently in the last couple of weeks to a friend of mine who really loves footy. She's in that second group, really loves footy. And she was saying she loves when footy's back because she actually gets to focus on the game of footy. She, and she was saying that as a, as a footy fan, that time between the seasons, she finds herself growing increasingly frustrating because all the talk about footy really has nothing to do with the game of footy. You know what I'm talking about? There's, there's all, this, all this media and all this talk about all the, all the off-field dramas that happen around footy and all the recruitment things and who's going to coach here and who's going to coach there and who's going to play here and who's going to play there. And there's all the, the injury things that, you know, is this person going to be right for the season? and someone gets injured in training and now they, they, they might not be playing for the season. There's all this talk. And she says that finally, when the games actually start and footy gets here, for her it's like this relief that we actually get to watch and to talk about footy. And my guess is that whether you like footy or whether you can't stand footy, all of us know that feeling. That, that feeling of, of, of just being able to focus really on the thing that we want to focus on. Because all of us probably, I'm guessing, know the flip side of that feeling when our lives become overcome with the details, you know, with the extra details around things. You know what I'm saying? We, 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 just, we find ourselves talking and thinking and doing all this stuff around whatever it is in our life and we're kind of missing the actual main thing. You know, maybe, maybe it's you and your, your, your kids or you and your family. There's all this stuff going on, going on in the house and all, you know, getting kids to hear and, and doing this and sorting out uni and whatever. And you find yourself going, you know, we've actually lost the focus on the relationships and the people. Or in your workplace, you get so tied up with emails and meetings and whatever that all of a sudden you catch yourself and think, why am I working? Like, you know, this is not the, there's, an, there's a whole other purpose to my work here that isn't about answering emails and, and getting to meetings and, and ticking off spreadsheets. There's something beautiful about getting back to the heart of something. There's something beautiful about rediscovering or reclaiming the simplicity or the, the original purpose of something in our lives. Today we're finishing our journey through the book of Galatians. Um, and if you've missed anything, uh, and many of us have, you missed anything along the way, as we say every week, you can catch up. Um, all of our messages are online, uh, YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, but let's recap the story so far. And if you've been here every week, you kind of, you know parts of this recap. But to recap the story so far, um, we call Galatians a book of the Bible. It's not a book, it's a letter. Uh, it's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to uh, a group of Christians, a group of small churches in the area of Galatia in around about 49 AD. Um, that's why it's called Galatians, because it was written to people who lived in Galatia. The people who lived there were the Galatians. Uh, we've said that that is a part of the world that is now in modern-day Turkey. So if you kind of open up your Google Maps and find Turkey, that's where we're talking about. That's where we, these people lived. This is a group of churches that Paul himself 
started. He traveled to the area only a year or two before, shared the good news of Jesus, uh, shared um, the, the, the amazing story of the resurrection. And uh, through, uh, through the power of his testimony and through miraculous power of the Holy Spirit, people came to believe in the truth about Jesus. And those people were organized into little churches. They didn't have uh, a name for their church. They didn't have buildings. They didn't have any of the things that we think about as churches. They were little groups of Christians who were meeting together to grow in their faith and to celebrate who Jesus was. But after Paul leaves uh, that area, after he moves on uh, to where God's calling him next, other people come into those little baby churches and they start teaching different things. And amongst the different things, and probably as far as Paul's concerned, chief amongst the different things, is they're teaching these little churches in Galatia that if you want to be a Christian, if you want to follow Jesus, you also have to be a Jew. If you, want to, if you want to live the Jesus way, you've also got to live the Jewish way. And that means obeying all of the, uh, the Jewish rituals around special feast days and holidays and seasons. It means obeying all of the, particularly all of the food laws and things that, uh, that ancient Jews had. Certain things you could eat and certain things you couldn't eat. For the guys, it meant that circumcision was a must. Um, that you had to be circumcised if you wanted to follow Jesus is what they were teaching. And Paul hears about this on the grapevine and he is furious. As far as Paul's concerned, this is absolutely not what faith is all about. And Galatians is the letter that he writes back to those churches to sort of reorientate them, to bring them back to what he believes is the truth about Jesus, to bring them back to the message that he first shared with them. Because Paul can't believe that the Galatians are adopting all of these extra laws and rules. And he doesn't hold back in sharing his frustration. Galatians 1.6, I am astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you. Paul goes on to argue that non-Jews, Jews called them Gentiles, that Gentiles and Jews, the Gentiles don't need to become Jews in order to follow Jesus. That anyone can have faith in Jesus. God doesn't see any difference between Gentiles and Jews. Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul says, in fact, God sees everyone who believes in Jesus, regardless of what you were before you believed in Jesus, everyone who believes in Jesus, Paul sees as a child of God. Galatians 4, 7, so you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. And throughout the book, Paul repeatedly talks about this contrast between people who are trying to, uh, to sort of appease God, to get right with God by doing a bunch of things. Which is, which is what he believes these, uh, these, these other teachers were teaching them. People who are living like that and people who are believing in the simple truth about what Jesus did for them on the cross. And so he uses contrasts like 
the contrast between the law and grace, the law being all of the rules and the grace believing what Jesus did for us on the cross. He talks about the contrast between the flesh and the spirit, the flesh being sort of our humanness and us and our desires and the spirit being what God has done for us and what Jesus wants for us. He talks about the contrast between slavery and freedom, saying we can choose to live in slavery and follow all the rules, you know, kind of uh, slaving toward all these rules, or we can live in the freedom that Jesus has won for us. We saw that uh, last week toward the end of the book, Paul switches gears and he begins to talk practically, really practically about what it's like to live in this kind of freedom, to what, what it's like to live in the spirit. And he says that, that freedom, that the freedom that Jesus has won for us, it's not a freedom like now I get to do whatever I want. He's saying it's a freedom to be able to freely follow Jesus, to be able to, uh, to, be able to freely love God and love others in the name of Jesus. Paul talked about the results. He called it the fruit of living by the Spirit in this way. And he said the fruit of the Spirit. The results of of living this way in the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance, uh, patience in some translations, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And so we're going to pick up Paul's letter today in Galatians chapter 6, which is the last uh, book, the last chapter in Galatians. So if you've got a Bible, we say this every week, Galatians is hard to find because only about five or six pages. So you start with the boys' names, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, that you find about two-thirds of the way through the Bible. And after that, you've got some big books of Rome, of Acts and then Romans and then 1 and 2 Corinthians. And right after 2 Corinthians, there's four tiny little books sandwiched together, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians and Galatians is the first one of those. And as I say every week, most of you are just smiling at me because you've got it on your device and you've already found it ages ago. That's a good thing. So I'm going to read uh, from Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to begin at verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. We find, we begin Galatians 6, finding that Paul is continuing his really practical comments about what he calls life in the spirit. Verse 1, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so some of you should be asking, what's the law of Christ? What's Paul talking about? Um, 
We read the law of Christ last week in, uh, in chapter 5, verse 14. For Paul, the law of Christ is the law of love, to love God and to love others. Paul saw and the early apostles saw this was the one rule that Jesus, if you like, instituted to cover all of the law, to cover all of the rules. Mark remembers Jesus teaching it like this. Uh, Mark 12, 28. Uh, one of the teachers asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is most important, of all of the rules, all of the commandments, which is, which is the number one? Jesus uh, uh, one, And Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbour as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And what Paul's doing simply here, the same as he was doing at the end of chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, Paul's giving them practical examples of what it looks like to live that out. He's giving them practical examples of what that kind of love looks like. That's what he means when he says, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. He's saying that's what it looks like to love one another. Verse 2, carry each other's burdens. This is Paul saying that's what it looks like to love one another, to carry the burdens, to walk alongside those people, to carry the burdens of those people around you. For Paul, these are practical examples of what it means to live by the Spirit. Verse 3, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. For Paul, life with the Spirit, loving one another, begins with humility. It begins with a humility that puts others above ourselves. In Paul's mind, you can't possibly live a life that loves others and that serves others and that loves God if you're the number one in your own life. If someone thinks there's something when they're not, they're deceiving themselves. A life of loving God and loving others has to begin with that kind of humility. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul comes back to that, to that same comparison that we read last week and that he's talked about throughout the letter. The comparison between the flesh, our humanness, us, our desires, the me part of us, and the Spirit. The Jesus part of us, the, the, the spirit of God that lives in us. And he's saying, a man reaps, a man, a person reaps what they sow. Remember last week when he talked about um, the acts of the flesh are obvious, and then there was a, a long list of what that looks like, how that plays out in a person's life. And, and last week, and he contrasted that in Galatians 5 with the fruit of the spirit. He said, the acts of the flesh are this and the, the, the fruit of the Spirit and this. And both of them had sort of long lists of examples of what that looks like. And we said last week that the Christian behavior uh, isn't so much about trying to keep those rules as much as it is about living in the Spirit. And then the fruit just naturally grows out of that. We said last week, and Paul's saying it again here, that when we hunger in daily prayer for him, when, when, we, when we are desperate to grow our faith in the Bible, in God's word each day, when, when we focus on the character of God and who he is in worship, 
we reap what we sow. Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Paul's saying when we sow in the flesh, when we focus on us, when we, when we invest in us, the fruit that we reap is temporary. It's, it's, a, it's a fruit that is destined for destruction. But when we sow in the spirit, when we, when we focus on the life of Jesus and his spirit living in us, then the fruit that we reap, the fruit that is born out of that is eternal. Verse 9, let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as you have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family. Paul simply saying to the Galatians, stick at it and don't give up. Because remember, he's writing this letter. I mean, the Galatians got into this mess because they gave up. Because they were following God and following the teaching of Paul. And then something else came along and they went, well, that looks shiny. We'll go over here and you know, we'll start living that way. Paul says, don't let that happen again. Don't get tired of following God and doing good. Stick at it. And from verse 12 on, um, Paul wraps up the letter. I mean, he just keeps beating this drum. He wraps up the letter, summarizing again his main point in this letter by saying, verse 12, those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. He's saying, don't don't try and impress other people. Don't try and impress God by following the rules. I mean, after all, even those that are following the rules and that are telling you, they don't actually follow all the rules. You know, those people who are telling you, you've got to follow all the rules, they don't follow all the rules. Verse 14, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying these people, they're telling you to follow, follow all the rules and they're kind of boasting about how they follow all the rules. He's saying, you know what? I don't want to boast about anything. I'm not going to stand here and tell you how good I am following the rules. The only thing I want to boast about, the only thing I want to sort of hold up and be proud of in my life is the presence of Jesus in my life and what he's done for me. That's the only thing worth boasting about. And finally, Paul concludes with uh, some short words of sort of prayer and blessing over the people. Verse 16, peace and mercy to all. Verse 18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. And so we find ourselves, as we've done each week, saying, so what does that mean for me? As I've often said, we're not Galatians Uh, Most of us are probably not having arguments this week about whether we should circumcise the men in our life or not. If you are, you really need some help. (laughs) Just saying. The Galatians were a group of people. They were a church that had a very specific problem. That there were people telling them that in order to be Christian, they also had to be Jewish. Paul's letter didn't go viral because there were Galatians everywhere. Paul's letter went viral because the words that he spoke to the Galatians spoke to and had traction in churches 
all across the world, not just the Galatian church. Because the truth is that churches and Christian people have struggled to stay true and to stay focused on the simple message of Jesus for thousands of years. You know, for 2,000 years, people have been hearing and receiving and saying yes to the good news of Jesus. They've been, they've been listening to the story about a man that lived, uh, that said he, he would die and rise again, that he was executed and he actually did rise again. People have been hearing that, they've been believing in that, they've been discovering the new life and the freedom and the joy and the hope and the purpose that comes from living in that. And for 2,000 years, people have been forgetting that. They've been believing it and then, and then things happen in their life, things crowd in on them and they find themselves drifting from that simple truth and from that lifestyle. They start living a life based on the rules. They drift back into, well, if I do this stuff, I'm going to look good. God's going to like me. Other people are going to like me. They drift into that sort of life and then they start, sometimes not even deliberately, they start sort of pressuring other people to live that same kind of life. Well, you'll be a good person if you obey the rules the way I obey the rules. Galatians is a reminder that we should, as a wise man said to me once, stop that. (laughs) Stop that. Don't do that. Don't live that way. As we approach Easter, Galatians reminds us that the Christian faith is all about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. That's it. As we approach Easter, Galatians reminds us of the offer that Jesus makes us. And it's not, would you like a a new list of rules to live by? It's an offer of forgiveness for sin and eternal life. It's an offer to to say yes to him and to enter into a life with him that is about loving God and loving others. One rule, two parts. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength and love others as yourself. Galatians is a reminder to live a life that is focused on Jesus and that is connected to his Holy Spirit living in you. We reap what we sow. If we sow in our flesh, if we focus on ourselves and invest in ourselves, we will find that we reap hatred and jealousy and fits of rage and selfish ambition. This is all from Galatians 5. I'm not making it up. Uh, And dissensions and envy, maybe impurity and drunkenness and sexual immorality. But when we sow into our spiritual selves, when, when we connect and walk with the spirit that is inside us, we will reap love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness. And that's where real self-control comes from. 
as we said last week, these aren't rules for us to try and live by and to be, to be pressured to tick off. These are the natural results of a life that is devoted to Jesus and living in daily relationship with him. Galatians is a simple reminder of how beautiful and uncomplicated a life with God can be. Believe and accept what he did for you on the cross. Stay focused on that. Love him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and, and your strength. And then love others the way that he's loved you. That's why the letter to the Galatians went viral. That's why we still read it today. And we wanted to spend some time in Galatians because quite frankly, we want to be that kind of church. We are, we are fiercely determined to stay true to that simple message. Fiercely determined. We've described our sort of purpose, our, our mission, if you like, as saying that we want to be people who are devoted to Jesus, living our lives, following Jesus' example and teaching wherever we are, no matter the cost. It's the thing that's written up behind me every week. It's written up behind me because we want it to be a weekly reminder of who we are and where we're going. And we say, this is our intention but this is also our invitation. It's our way of saying, if, if you will journey with us, if you will join us on the journey, um, you're invited to join us on the journey, and this is where we're going. This is who we want to be. This is how, how we want to get there. This is, this is both, it's both the path and the destination, if that makes sense. So Galatians reminds us of the, the journey we're on. It reminds us of the invitation that we are making to everyone who's here. To invite you to be a part of a community that is focused on Jesus. Not focused on rules or not focused on programs, not, not fo focused on a person. His life and his death and his resurrection. To be a part of a community that is committed to living by his spirit. Following Jesus' example and teaching is what we've written up there. Sowing into the spirit. If you like, you know, kind of what I keep saying, <laughs> focusing on and investing on not ourselves, but what the spirit of God wants to do in us. It's an invitation to be a part of a community that will unapologetically love others, all others. Love one another here in this place. Love people in our community and be a part of a mission to share the love of Jesus with literally the whole world. Galatians reminds us of what we're all about. It reminds us of what we're inviting you two, of what we're inviting one another to. And so as we kind of wrap up Galatians, the, the only question really left to ask is, will you join us? Will you join us on what we hope and believe will be a simple, powerful and beautiful journey? And so I will finish as Paul finished 
and pray the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Thank you.